What is going on everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Two Cents Footy Podcast. My name is Akron McAllister and today I'm joined by my fellow co-host, uh, let's start with Daniel Pike. Well, how's it going everyone? Um, I'm doing alright. Been my first week as a Tottenham fan without a new transfer. Um, so hopefully we, we make two transfers this coming week. Um, so I'm pretty excited with that. Um, but yeah, we'll obviously get into the transfers, but otherwise I'm doing great. Had a little bit of a footy session with the boys this morning, um, so I'm happy. Yeah, it was a great sesh. Uh, and next up, we have Hayden Anderson. Hello, everyone. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be on this podcast. Um, it's it's just great to be here. I'm excited for today's episode. It's just um, casual uh, transfer conversations. And um, hey, Dan, who has Spurs signed so far? I'm curious. I haven't really um, been paying attention to Spurs. Signed a, a goalkeeper, um, Yves Basuma, which is one of the most promising midfielders, I'd say, mm. in the Premier League right now. Promising young midfielders. And then, of course, we've uh, signed our left back, Ivan Perisic, who's going to make a storm, oh, yes, yeah. kick up a storm next season. So, I hope... Uh, so, that's actually quite solid. I hope um, Alexander-Arnold um, is prepared. Is he going to have to do some backtracking <laughs> next season? Is he ever prepared? <laughs> I mean, you know, when you play every game of a season, um, I mean, you, I, I think that you could, it's fair to say that uh, you're prepared. So, uh, But I, I understand that it's not something that you'd be able to fathom, Dan, as a Spurs supporter. I mean, mm. you know, getting to what, like the semifinal of a competition? Oh, my word. <laughs> Dreams. But let's start with uh, that Basuma signing because I don't believe we've spoken about it on the podcast. Um, we've spoken about the Perisic one, uh, the backup goalkeeper. But uh, Basuma is quite interesting for me because you just signed Bentancur, you've got a Hoy Bear, uh, you sent out a Salsa and Dombele on loan. I don't know, have they come back yet? So it looks like Ndombele is officially out on loan to another club now with option to buy. Mm-hmm. But I think his wages would be quite steep, so I don't see him him, him getting bought by that other club. Um, and I think Lasalso is I think Lasalso is desperately wanted by like um uh, um who is he playing for? Um was it Valencia or Villarreal? Villarreal, yeah. Yeah. I think I think um Villarreal and another club are actually quite desperate for Lasalso. But I think we're trying to negotiate them either taking him full time or, you know, giving us a good deal. So but I think both of those are out the door. I don't think they're gonna be in next next season's team. Otherwise our midfield is actually looking really great because we play with that two midfielder pivot. So mm-hmm. I think our starting lineup will probably be Hoybier and maybe Basuma, maybe Benton Kerr, but I know Basuma seems to have like quite a really good work ethic. I think they said, um, "What is it?" There, there was there was there was some 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 stat where it was like either pass completion or tackles made or dribbles completed. Some some um, stat where Hoybier was number one and Basuma was number two. So I mean that kind of just gives me an indication where you know that they're probably going to start together. And then second um, backup would be. Um, Benton Kerr and then Ollie Skip afterwards, which seems like a really good setup, especially in our midfield. Um, it would be nice yeah. to have, you know, Christian Eriksen in the mix as well. 
Um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, also, it looks like Harry Winks is probably going to go to Everton. I think on a loan deal because Everton's being really stingy. We'd love to get rid of Harry Winks on a permanent deal. But I think um, we would have to work a little bit of magic to get that done. Mm. It feels like every transfer window, Tottenham just sign at least one midfielder though. Yeah, yeah. But I think our midfield's kind of sorted out now. I've seen a lot of talk on us wanting to sign a new center back um, and a right back and a striker. Those are the three options we're going for. But at the moment... So you're giving bro, up on Emerson already? Literally, Tottenham are handing out certificate like certifications for new up-and-coming young players because every hour we linked with a new centre-back, right-back and striker. Mm. And now that Gabriel Jesus has officially gone to Arsenal, um, that deal's done. So either Rafinha or Richarlison is probably the striker we're going to sign. Rafinha from Leeds? Yep, Rafinha from Leeds. I know Arsenal seem to be going after him like heavily as well, but... I don't, I don't know. Like, why would he want to go to Arsenal? <laughs> like, not jo- all jokes aside, you know, why would he want to go there? No Champions League. I guess he he would be starting, but still, yeah. Gabriel Jesus, like, I, I see why he wouldn't want to come to Tottenham because he wouldn't be starting. He'd be second to Harry Kane, and Harry Kane always plays. So, yeah, but yeah. Like, you'd imagine Kane, Son, and Kulisevsky would be, like, a pretty set front three. Mm, mm, yeah. The thing is also unfortunate um, talk that I've seen on Twitter that seems to be the truth is that we'll either get Rafinha or Richarlison, not both. And I'm kind of like, oh, you know, like, it would be dope if we could, like, throw Harry Winks and Lucas Moura in for Richarlison and then spend actual physical cash on Rafinha and then get Richarlison as a backup striker. And then Rafinha as, you know, just more competition um, between Son and Kulusevski. I think that would be sensational. Yeah, it would be good. And I mean, if uh, you think about it, Everton getting Lucas Moura and, I mean, Harry Winks is like a, a 50-50 case of whether he puts in a good shot or not. But I mean, just two fresh new players in that team, I think, could do some good. Yeah, Rafinha has also been linked to United, so... Uh, we'll see what that happens. But it seems like United are more interested in Anthony from Ajax. <laughs> like, oh, from Ajax. United seem to be more interested in every single Ajax player. Like, if you played for Ajax, <laughs> United are, are keen on you. It seems I, like. I suppose. Isn't Ted Hogg just basically importing his, his Ajax squad then? Exactly, Hayden. Like, if you played <laughs> for Ajax under Ted Hogg, there's a good chance you'll be linked to United in the next month or so, if you haven't been already. It's cute. It's really cute. Actually, yeah. speaking of United, there's something, Zach, that I really wanted to get your opinion on because I saw some of this news break over the over the course of the week. And that is the, the possibility of Cristiano Ronaldo playing Champions League football at Chelsea. Yes, but, that was a... It was a bit of a shock to me. Um, the report was that he met with uh, Chelsea owner Todd Bowley. Um... There's no official offers or anything as of yet, but it could happen. I wouldn't mind it personally because I think that, you know, it'd be a big, uh, he'd get his wages off the books. So that'll free us up a lot more and it'll give us more options to uh, sign a younger striker who could potentially bet in under Ten Hag because we are in a rebuilding phase and Ronaldo, 
I'm not too sure he's going to want to stick around for that. He does have the uh, option to opt out, I think. I don't think the deadline has passed for him to exercise that. So he could just decide, yeah, I'm going to leave. So, mm. I mean, Chelsea's a possibility. Um, they have lost Lukaku, which we'll get onto as well. But um, I, I don't know how, how happy Thomas Tuchel will be at having to deal with Cristiano Ronaldo and his lack of pressing, considering aren't, the yeah, system. Aren't Chelsea set on signing Raheem Sterling? Yes, yeah, so I heard quite a bit of talk there. I I can imagine Ronaldo wouldn't cost a lot in terms of an actual in terms of buying him out of his contract, or even like wait, Zach, as you said, would you even have to buy him out of his contract? Is, no, um, deal. I suppose it wouldn't be like legal for Chelsea to be like, "Hey, Ronaldo, you want to come play for us while he's still contracted for United." And then for him to terminate his contract and then move for free. But I suppose that stuff happens all the time. But yes, he can just terminate his contract. Or I don't think it's terminate his contract. I think it's like opt out of the additional year and then go sign with Chelsea as like a free agent. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But as you mentioned, Dan, um, Chelsea have also been linked to Raheem Sterling. And I wanted to get, uh, your opinion on that, Hayden, because if that were to happen, that mean that it would mean that Sterling would have played for three. Of the top six clubs, so it's kind I mean, of hey. it, it kind of looks like we're getting into a situation with the Premier League where Premier League clubs are just so rich that no one else in Europe can afford hmm. to. Uh, like you think, like okay, Real Madrid probably are the only club I can think of that can really afford to be on the Premier League clubs level. Otherwise, it just seems like. Players like Jesus, players like Sterling, Ronaldo, they're all just like switching between other top six clubs. So I think that this could be a bit of a premonition of things to come uh, in the transfer market. The monopoly of um, these top six clubs over all the Europe's or the world's best players. Potentially, that could be a problem. But I mean, I'm not really okay. I don't know how the books at Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and PSG look, but. those European clubs and obviously the top six have always, at least for the amount of time that I've been watching football, been the clubs that have been able to afford the world's best players. That's just been the nature of things. And you can't tell me that PSG and Real Madrid can't compete with the top six. In fact, PSG, Real Madrid, and I would even say Bayern Munich are probably heavier hitters than three out of the top six clubs. I just think it's the fact that the Premier League in terms of it's probably its broadcasting rights and all of those accessory and add-on details that also uh, entail a lot of monetary that have a lot of monetary value are also uh, are essentially that extra facet that is enticing a bunch of the world's best players to opt into the Premier League over and above the other leagues um, because I think at the end of the day if you include um, those extra that, that extra monetary value they probably end up earning probably a lot more and that's probably why someone like Ronaldo is probably staying within the Premier League um, yeah I suppose that's just the nature of things now currently because the Premier League in terms of broadcasting rights probably outweighs all the other leagues by a massive margin true I, I'd, I'd say the same thing honestly but Zach, so, you're yeah. talking yeah. about uh, the top six Premier League teams being a sort of gated community. Are you opting for a almost a, a draft situation? The same way the NBA and the NFL have, 
um, Premier League draft? Is that what you're saying, Zach? Well, we should go for how those. How would it even function as a solution? So, like, so, so, wait, so it would be like a fantasy draft where all players would then be available, or as in, like, you have a draft for only youngsters, like academy players. That would never work. I mean, each club has their own academy for a reason. Yeah. This isn't, because doesn't, wait, because I'm not too familiar with American sport, but isn't the draft system, doesn't it work wherein a bunch of graduates from university, from the university sports system uh, are open to selection by a number of clubs based off some ranking system that depends on the previous season's performance? Yeah, the majority of um, the players that get drafted are varsity students, but a handful of them can be foreign um, basketball players or just players from like lower leagues that are like how can i say it almost entering the the nba now for the first time but like I hear you. like i mean like that's just a hypo, um, hypo, you know, hypothetical because like in my opinion like it wouldn't work and there's no possible way that it could work just the way that football operates well yeah, yeah football's too open the the reason why like it, it works in american leagues is because they're very closed and yeah. you can control you know, the teams that are involved and the influx and outflow of players. Whereas, like, just even if in the Premier League, I think it would be difficult to, to organize something like that just because of teams coming up and down, promotion, relegation. Um, yeah, and I think the, the academy system is very well set. I don't, I don't yeah, like, think you're able to, like, abandon that. Yeah, I think just FFP needs to get fixed. Like, please. But I think... It's not even, look, obviously financial fair play gets abused all the time. But if you just look at the, the, the nature of, of the inequality within leagues and then between leagues in terms of, you know, the wealth of owners and, and the broadcasting fire, or the broadcasting wealth, um, it's by the nature of just the way that the system operates, there were al- there's always going to be this, this inequality and there's always going, and it's always going to be top heavy. Or the wealth will always be concentrated between a few teams. This is how it's been for for decades, and and considering that the people that have the power in terms of re- really in terms of regulation are the are the clubs and are the wealthy, um, there isn't really an optimal fix here. But I, it's 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 really a problem that is endemic to an, a whole different wealth of different of of economic. Well, uh, uh, it's a problem that's endemic to the economic system in a whole wealth of different um, institutions and this isn't a problem that is yes Damn capitalism. Capitalism. i mean we're not i mean i don't want to get too deep into all of that uh so i'm choosing my words carefully but <laughs> it's a sen- it's a problem with an economic system that means that these inequalities are always going to be there and they're just inherent you made a pretty interesting point earlier aiden uh which that Basically, all the top clubs from all the main European leagues are pretty much on the same level. Like Bayern, who are top of the German league, are pretty much on the same level as everyone else. PSG, Real Madrid, and then the top six. Juventus, you know, probably still on that same level, even though they haven't been as successful recently. But I think where the Premier League really has a leg up is the rest of the teams. Because I think they also benefit from... The commercial success that is the Premier League, yeah. Whereas, you know, the bottom half teams in all the other leagues don't have that. So you have a scenario where teams that are in the bottom half of the Premier League, teams that are just getting promoted into the Premier League, are competing with like borderline Champions League teams in um, 
in other European leagues. So the example I could think of is like, okay, it's probably not a great example, but it's like a team like Newcastle who finished, where they finished like 13th last season. And I understand like they have a huge injection of cash. Yeah, so that's why it's not a great example. But a team like Newcastle competing for a player like Sven Botman with against AC Milan, who literally just won the Italian Serie A. So that shows that how like the rest of the teams in the Premier League, even outside of the top six, that difference between them and the teams outside of the big hitters in the other leagues is probably even bigger than, you know, the, the top six and the rest of the other big teams in Europe. And as you, that, and you're right, Zach, that comes down to the, the popular, the competitiveness and more importantly, the popularity of the Premier League. But it's, I, I think it's so interesting because we like to say that the Premier League is the most competitive league. But I think if you look over the last five seasons, Manchester City have won it four out of five times. So the problem that we acknowledge that is endeavor, that is present in all the the, the European, uh, well, the big European leagues is starting to really infiltrate and become present in the Premier League, which is obviously the hegemony of one club. It just so happens that at least the other clubs can compete to a closer level. Uh, um, then obviously the rivals in the European leagues, in the relevant European leagues. So yeah. I don't know how long we, how long it will be until, just because of the the concentration of wealth, that um, the competitive edge of the Premier League would disappear. I'm just counting how many times City have won the Prem in the last. So in the last ten years, City have won. Uh. Six out of the last ten. And as you mentioned, four out of the last five. Dude, that's heading towards some Bundesliga Bayern Munich stats there. It's it's crazy because like we always, you know, you just assume that the Premier League is the most competitive. But if you were to take a step back and you look at it superficially, it doesn't look that competitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. But yeah. Uh, we, we kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, talking about the... Uh, economic state of the transfer market and European football as a whole. But uh, one move we haven't really spoken about that was kind of a big deal considering the money that was involved in the initial move. Is that <laughs> is Romelu sorry, Lukaku? Just... <laughs> um, oh, you, you're talking about the other one. No, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because I just, when I think of the Lukaku thing, I just, it's so ridiculous and hilarious. I just, I can't hold it in. Yeah, so. Inter sold Chelsea or sold Roman Lukaku to Chelsea for what is it over 100 mil yes, sir. something ridiculous like that uh, Lukaku went to Chelsea had flopped really badly and now Chelsea are loaning him back to Inter Milan for 8 million euros with no option to buy so the worst part is if Lukaku goes there and doesn't do well He's going to have to go back to Chelsea. And I don't know what happens then. Because then I don't think anyone's going to want him. He's going to be on huge wages with his long-term contract. And things might be over for Lukaku. Maybe he'll go back to Everton. But yeah, it's a a pretty bad situation for for Chelsea to be in. Um, Can I just ask you something? Oh, sorry, yeah. Man. No, I was going to say, I, I remember the not... time when we were talking about Jack Grealish being a flop of a deal. 
then Lukaku had to I come mean, and prove us wrong. <laughs> they can both be flops. It's not. It doesn't have to be mutual. Yeah, exclusive. I will say Grealish. Like, it's, I won't say it like it's a complete flop, but uh, like the expectations of a hundred mil deal, it's definitely a flop. But yeah, Lukaku beats that, that deal player. every day of the week for the flop status of the season. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Yep. I just want to ask you something, Zach. So, if we consider this situation with a Ronaldo situation, I mean, if you compare Lukaku and Ronaldo, aren't they similar in the way that they play and their lack of pressing and their lack of adaptability in terms of... Uh, blending into a system. Um, and wouldn't that just be sort of recreating the environment that led to this massive flop if they were to just replace Lukaku with Ronaldo? So you're talking about from Chelsea's perspective? Well, from Chelsea's perspective, because we, we see them offloading um, Lukaku on this ridiculous, ridiculous loan deal. And now they're like, ah, now we see this possibility of them getting Ronaldo and it's like, what does this fix? Um... I think they're similar in some ways, but also very different in others. Um, I think Lukaku's probably still the better runner at this point. Uh, uh, Ronaldo's probably the better finisher. I think Lukaku, for as much as he gets memed for his first touch, I still think he's probably a better link-up player than um, Ronaldo. We saw that at Inter Milan with his connection with Lautaro. I, I don't know. I think the, the big issue with Lukaku at Chelsea was that Thomas Tuchel couldn't really find a way to fit him into his system. I don't think it was necessary that Lukaku just forgot how to play football or something like that. Yeah. I, I genuinely think that Chelsea made the move to get Lukaku without it being like Thomas Tuchel wanting Lukaku desperately to fit him into his system to be like the cherry on top. I think they were just like, Hey, Lukaku's in the market. Enter kind of in financial strain. Let's go pick him up. Mm. So I, I worry that a similar thing would happen if Ronaldo were to go there as well. Because I just don't see why Thomas Tuchel would be like, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. He's exactly what this Chelsea team needs. Yeah, because the thing is how Chelsea have been playing this season is kind of how Man City play without a striker where they've just essentially got wings. And the mm. problem with Lukaku is that they don't use them, use him how like, essentially like, um, Burnley was using Chris Wood, um, yeah, like yeah. where you have that big man hold up play, hold up play, and then he distributes. Yeah. Um, they kind of just wanted Lukaku to like pick up the bits and pieces and like you know little, little you know like little like you know tap here there you know offload or whatever. And also the way that Chelsea's wing backs. And even their wings operate is they cut inside and have a shot themselves. Like that's how Ziyech plays. That's how Reese James plays. That's how Mason Mount plays. That's how Kai Havertz plays and Werner and all of them. Like there's no crossing. If, if they had a Kevin De Bruyne at Chelsea or they had like a Trent Alexander Arnold who could cross it and put it in the box, Lukaku would be like, like unplayable. In my opinion, I, th- I think Lukaku would shine if they had someone crossing the ball in, but they don't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they they if Ryan Sterling does end up going to Chelsea, I think that'd be that that work out because he's the king of that getting to the byline and then having those cutbacks. Mm. I think Lukaku would feast on those. That would be great, yeah. 
Yeah. <sighs> well, um, I believe that's all we have to discuss this week. Uh, we don't uh, have a city fact. Yeah. There's one thing I want to address. It also has to do with Chelsea, considering that seems to be the topic of our conversation. Is I saw on Instagram earlier today that Petr Cech had left the club. Uh, he had oh, left his really? role as a advise. Uh, what is it? A goalkeeper advisor, or goalkeeper tactics advisor. No, or he was. Like that. Wasn't he the director of football? No, no. I, okay, maybe I on the whatever post that I was looking at uh, mentioned his role as an advisor of some sorts. But they, he had left the club. And I thought it was interesting because a lot of the comments were very pessimistic about Chelsea's display or prospects for next season because of this exodus of, of Chelsea men, quote-unquote. But I thought it was quite interesting because I thought that one of the biggest problems in football today is the fact that we are so caught up by old stars. The you know We think they're going to be, just because they were great players, they'll be great players. Uh, coaches or managers or members of a football true uh, football club's infrastructure and we we sort of get caught up in this in the starlight rather than the qualifications and experience of players because i mean if you were to take this perspective Jose Mourinho never would have broken through because i think yeah. as we were talking earlier he was never really anybody in football before he became a manager yeah i think definitely we should have like almost a a money ball approach to managing our football clubs where we kind of just get like some football nerd that just knows all the stats and, you know, like does a deep dive into the data and, you know, gets us like underrated picks and, you know, does the number crunching and looks in places that no one else does. I think Jose Mourinho actually has one of his backroom staff is like that type of character where he's just like always scheming. He's got like aces up his sleeves, you know, as opposed to like you were saying, like um, footballing archons where like, I mean, mm. that. Like they're they're a cool character and like respect to them for contributing to the club, but you know like it's not really their forte to like be scouts. I mean like obviously that they're good football players, but sometimes like you you know like just because you play good football doesn't mean you can recognize um as as well as other people like the skills in like upcoming players and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because yeah, generally like be- I don't know I'd, I'd feel like the older players might not be on the cusp of like football now and like where it's going and the improvements made because they might just be like, you know, like too connected to their past and how they played. Mm. So they might be Mm. trying to replicate, you know, players back in their day as opposed to the future of like footballing players. Mm. And like even even beyond just scouting, I'm thinking also of the the deplorable nature of like Carrick and Ole Connie Solskjaer and who are some of your like Darren Fletcher that I think just terrorized uh, the coaching staff at Manchester United during the Oli reign because they were like, ah, these are recognizable stars from Manchester United's successful past. They will be great. Uh, it'll be a great coaching staff. And like, because like just because they were recognized, they have recognizable pasts don't mean that they're the right people for the job. And I think there's a general um, lack of respect for people who have the right qualifications in football who aren't icons. And I think that's something people like, I think we shouldn't want Wayne Rooney, like someone like Wayne Rooney to be uh, the manager of our club because he's Wayne Rooney. And we should be more open to like a Graham Potter, who's somebody who, who before becoming a manager wasn't really recognizable, but becomes recognizable because of maybe the qualifications mm. that they have in terms of yeah. coaching and um, their experiences, their academic experiences more so than past professional history yeah i i think 
it's kind of a situation where these former players get the first bite of the cherry or they get more grace mm. or leeway because mm. like there are, <laughs> there are certain like success stories of like past players like Pep Guardiola was a Barcelona icon and mm. you can argue that because he was you know such a successful player for Barcelona he had the opportunity to then work in the academy and then when the job came up they were kind of like well, maybe we should give Pep a go and you can argue that maybe he shouldn't have had that opportunity um, like Edwin van der Sar for example he's done a great job at Ajax he's perhaps been the mastermind behind Ajax's great scouting and development um, over recent years so even big boy Varane you know yeah so I, I agree like it, it probably should be more equal and even where force. guys are judged based on their merits solely mm. but I think you know it, it'd be unrealistic to, to think that you know to, or to expect that because you know we just know the way it, ultimately everything's motivated by commercial value and what appeals to the fans and what's going to get the fans to you know pay money to buy tickets buy shirts mm. support the club and seeing one of their childhood favorite players managing their club or being involved in the front office or whatever that's ultimately going to get fans more excited than someone they've never seen. And I, I think that plays a big role in these uh, owners' minds when they make these appointments, which mm. is unfortunate. Yeah, like I, I do agree. Obviously, if you've been in football your entire life, there is a possibility and there's, I would say, substantial potential you could be. You could do a particular role really well. But as you say, it's about... I just think, I think, I just think it's, it would be nice... If us as football supporters could have the ability to divorce a particular person from their past player achievements, if they go in if, uh, when they finish their careers and then they go into some sort of managerial or scouting or backroom staff role, and we would treat them when they're in that role as a separate entity. But of course, it's somewhat unrealistic. But I just think it's important, like especially when you look at Chelsea's prospects for the for the next season, to not be overly pessimistic because. There's an exodus of, of 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 an old of an older guard because um, it's important to weigh up uh, the new composition of their team in terms of their backroom staff uh, by by their own merits and you know give them a chance. I will say Chelsea's future is going to be very interesting because we've got the new owner now, so we've got to see what his spending habits are. Uh, Marina Garaskaya, she was like the head negotiator. Uh, for Chelsea, she's gone. Bruce Buck, who was their chairman, is gone. You mentioned Petr Cech, who was their technical director. He's leaving. So it seems like there's a lot of turnover happening. Uh, and I I think if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be a little bit scared that uh, we could see a bit, a bit of a drop-off happening in the next but few I mean, years. I think turnover is just natural because I th- like, I've seen reports that say that uh, Chelsea want to go for what's his name Michael Edwards uh, Liverpool's uh, former mm. scouting director or whatever and that man is uh, he's a he's a he's a savant when it comes to picking up great future like footballing icons and so I think if you know they can make deals like that and they can get in a whole new guard um, the potential is there for greatness for Chelsea it, in, it is indeed it is indeed well I think that brings us to the end of this week's pod um, I hope you have enjoyed. Uh, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, comment down below your favorite transfer thus far in the window. Uh, and until next time, 
This has been the Two Cents Footy Crew of the Two Cents Footy Podcast. Have a good day.